Hello, everybody. Welcome to Popcorn Not Included. I'm Matt. I'm Maggie. And this is our movie and TV informal review podcast thing. We're back with another in our favorite movies series. Uh, this one is, uh, is I guess it's sponsored, endorsed by both of us. Uh, we did... Sponsored. Yeah. You know, like like you sponsor somebody for membership in a club or... You know, you sponsor oh. somebody like that kind of sponsored is okay. how I was thinking about it. I see. But I mean, is, 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 we're, this is, we're, a... this is for, for both of us. Yeah. We had started with your favorite movie. We did my favorite movie. Now we're just doing, you know, we're doing other favorite movies, but this one happens to be, you know, it's, it's got both our stamps on it. Yeah. So, um, but maybe for different reasons. I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll get into it. And that's Saving Private Ryan. I, I was, you know, somewhat hesitant. Like, I wanted to rewatch it. I was somewhat hesitant to do this one because it's like, hey, guys, Saving Private Ryan is good. Breaking I feel like, news yeah, I feel 20 like, years later. Yeah, I feel like everybody. Are, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, this is this movie is yeah. like 21 years old now yeah. this year. Um, so that's wild. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, on the one hand, I feel like everybody knows it. But, you know, uh, I think for probably a lot of people, it's been a little while for us. It had been a little while since we'd seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I've never watched it with you before. Yeah. And uh, since college. Mm, gotcha. It's the, the proper time of year. We're recording this on Memorial Day and we're going to put it out uh, the week of June 6th, which is which is, of course, D-Day. So even though everybody already knows this is a good movie, um, I hope, you know, we could, we can still have a, a fascinating, scintillating discussion about it, which starts now. Uh, Saving Private Ryan, if you didn't know, is a 1998 epic war film directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Robert Rodat. Rodat. I like that name. That's a good name. And it stars Tom Hanks, Tom Sizemore. Edward Burns, Barry Pepper, Giovanni Ribisi, Vin Diesel, Adam Goldberg, and Jeremy Davies, and of course, Matt Damon. <laughs> uh, almost forgot him showing up in the third act yeah. to play a large role. L- large role in the movie, not a lot of screen time. Well, so I, I was just looking at the movie earlier, actually, um, just kind of scrubbing through it, mm-hmm. uh, and it is not divided like I thought it was. Uh, because what would you say is the halfway point of the movie? Like time wise, probably the, um, there are a couple little vignettes there kind of in the middle section. Yeah. Um, probably the one where they go take out the machine gun. Oh, and the okay. Medic well, dies. you're exactly right. Ha! <laughs> I, I always thought of that as like, you know, cause it's basically the last thing before yeah. the final at the final act starts before before yeah the... i mean like there's there's definitely you know they're not even thirds but there's the d-day portion mm-hmm. the finding private ryan portion and then the last battle portion yeah yeah um, i guess so in my head anyway there's a little bit of like prologue epilogue a little bit of time in the mm-hmm. middle prepping for the last battle but but yeah that's that's how i would it's an interestingly structured movie and it's it's long. I mean, it's almost three hours long. Wait, so when did you think the middle was? The middle to me feels like the church scene where they're where mm, they're talking. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's pretty close to the not. scene that I'm talking about. Uh it well there's other there's other stuff. There's like the scene with the paratroopers and the the plane with the dog tags and the the crash yeah. and stuff like that. There's a, a, some stuff between there. Yeah. Um, so anyway. 
So this is a uh, this is our second appearance by Tom Hanks on our favorites series, and uh, the first by Steven Spielberg. I don't think it will be the last for either of them. <laughs> well, Tom Hanks is like is my favorite actor, head and shoulders above everybody else. I I can just rave about Tom Hanks for a very long time, um, and I think he by and large picks good movies to be in that's the thing is like so he's he's a he's a very solid actor he's a very likable actor but he tends to pick pretty good movies mm-hmm. you know if he were in more mediocre movies i wouldn't have this like affinity but i can rattle off a bunch of movies that tom hanks is in some of them are tom hanks movies some of them are just tom hanks is in this movie right i, I don't think of this as a tom hanks movie no uh, this is like tom hanks is the star of this movie but it is an ensemble film and it's more it's more starring like the action and the war itself than than even Tom Hanks. Uh, but yes, he's definitely the star of mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, for Sp- as for Spielberg, like there's again, um, this guy's made a lot of movies. There, as, there's a bunch that I haven't even seen. Yeah. Uh, uh, I have to say, like, I think with him, I just don't even go to see the movies of his that I think I won't like. So I, yeah, so I, I pretty much like War Horse movie because <laughs> listen, I there is no way that thing doesn't die. And as already noted on this podcast, I don't go to movies that are about animals when they're almost for sure to die. Not going. Yeah, I'm sure it was good. Um, that was, not going. Well, you're the only one who remembers War Horse anyway, um, even existing. So. I remember it was a good trailer. No, it was a, it was a, that was a very like, oh, Spielberg gets blamed all the time for being schmaltzy and that trailer felt really schmaltzy to me. Mm. Um, and uh, anyway, whatever. Would you say this is his best movie or would you go Schindler's List? Um, well, I I don't think that's the competition either. Really? No. You're not going to say Jurassic Park, are you? No. What's she going to say his his best movie is? I don't don't know what his best movie is. I would say this is his best movie. I think there's a competition there. You know, uh, you think, hmm, I don't think this is, I don't know. What you got? (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, you're like you said, Schindler's List is in there. It's in the conversation. I feel like that's a similar movie in that it's a very long movie Mm -hmm. and it's paced. It's structured kind of strangely. It's it's not strangely, but it's a a long series of, of events and like, movies these days don't feel this way to me anymore. Like that's, these are movies of like great scene after great scene. And they don't, I don't know. Movies today are, they just don't feel structured this in the same way. I haven't really thought through this point. So I, I'm not able to really articulate what I mean by it, but I know what you mean. Um, they have this really impressive quality where they feel like there's a lot of scenes, but it doesn't feel like it drags or, or it doesn't feel random and jumbled. Right. Um, yeah. And that's impressive. It's really, impressive. but they're not tied together like super smoothly. Like the transitions are, are just, they're abrupt, but they work. It almost feels like they're a series of essays. Like, have you ever read those, those books that are, you know, compilation of essays and they're all related and they're all kind of progressing, but they're, they're different stories about different characters. Yeah. I mean, it feels literary. Um, it Mm -hmm. feels like, you know, another example of this I think is, um, and and this may not make any sense. Maybe this is just a stupid thing to say, but, uh, like Shawshank Redemption is just like, here's a bunch of scenes Mm -hmm. that 
progress an overall story, but they're like individual sort of sub stories and in, in them. So you don't kind of get that um, from a lot of movies these days anymore, at least not at least not popular movies. Yeah. Um, anyhow. Uh, so, well, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to tell you what I think Spielberg's best movie is. That's fine. I, I mean, yeah, this is a candidate for sure. Uh, I, I certainly think it's his best war movie. That's such a cop out, <laughs> but I mean, he has quite a few movies that deal with world war two. Of course, yeah, uh, Schindler's list is in there. Um, a, a very he, different aspect of World War Two. Did he make Bridge of Spies? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bridge of Spies is you Cold really War, like though. that. Oh yeah. Yeah. They go to listen. They go to Germany. Yes, they go to Berlin. But <laughs> stupid American. But uh, different, different conflict. Different Tom Hanks. <laughs> different, different Tom Hanks. Also, <laughs> yeah. They've partnered on on a great many things. It's true, and they've generally turned out pretty well. Yeah. So I mean, I think it, I think. It would be good for this show for us to, because there's a difference between like these movies that we think are good and these that we think are our favorites. Because yeah, I think I don't know that we have a whole lot of new to say on why it's good. Um, but yeah, like what what sticks out to you about it? What what mm-hmm. makes it um, one that you know all these years later? I think a lot of people are like, yeah, like if that. I think a lot of people would tap this as their favorite war movie. A lot of people would tap it as their favorite World War II movie, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I would probably say yes to both of those things. I'm, I, I have a hard time thinking of a war movie that I I like better than this. Um, because this does – this ticks a lot of the, you know, classic war movie boxes of like, oh, you know, here's a band of soldiers who all have these particular personalities and, and – uh, you know, you've got the battle scenes, you've got the, the certain kinds of drama that you get in war films. It kind of ticks all those boxes, but it does it, it does it really well and it ties all that stuff together. And hmm. question, would you say you liked this one better than Dunkirk? Assuming you're going to categorize Dunkirk as a war movie. Um, well, it's, it's less a question of genre in terms of like whether it's a war movie or not to me and more of like, Dunkirk is not trying to tell a story in the same sort of way. No. So, and I'll I'll probably get into this a little more later, but Dunkirk is trying to almost completely excise the dialogue. In Saving Private Ryan, you have action scenes where shooting is happening. There's dialogue, but it's all kind of like, get down and you're going to die. Ow. Medic. (laughs) No, they don't say ow in this movie. (laughs) You know, and swearing. Mm-hmm. That's that's all the dialogue during battle scenes, basically. Uh, and, and some technical jargon for, right. for people who understand what a Bangalore is and what a, you know, well, they explain to you what a sticky bomb is. <laughs> it's very helpful. Yeah, but like battlefield uh, logistics stuff. Battlefield logistics stuff. I don't know stuff, about that. And yeah, get on the 30 cow. Yeah. Um, all that, you know. Um, but that's kind of incidental dialogue and you wouldn't actually need to speak the language to kind of understand what's going on. It's very right. visually communicated and, and it works on a sort of pure cinematic level. And I think that's the level that Dunkirk operates on for pretty much the entire movie, except for the stuff that happens on the boat, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> um, getting too much into, into that. I was just curious. Cause yeah. I know that that's another war movie that you like a great deal. Yeah, um, another another World War II movie, and and it was 
uh, very much influenced by this movie. This movie was very influential. Yeah. But so, so you have those scenes in, in private Ryan and then you also, but then you have a very distinct, these are the scenes where the soldiers talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about, you know, the, the a philosophy of sort of like the essential unfairness of war or what it means to lose people, what it means to be in command or, you know, what you, so you have the, that kind of very distinct cutoff between those types of scenes, mm-hmm. but they're both really good. I find that usually war movies do one or the other mm. better. Um, and I think you could probably argue that the action scenes are the better part of this movie. They're the part that really make it, um, really made it stand out at the time and really make it, uh, an action war action is not easy to do, mm-hmm. especially the way they do it in this movie. It's so, so impressive. Yeah. So what you, cause you mentioned earlier when we were talking that there's a version of this movie that either, you know, like wasn't directed by Spielberg or, or didn't have this crew that would not have been nearly as good, even like with the same footage, same acting, same, all that stuff, but the editing and <laughs> direction of it. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned it earlier before we even started podcasting, uh, we were watching a little bit of what was it on Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor was yeah. on today, so I haven't seen the whole movie. I just saw like you know fifteen twenty minutes of it with with you on the couch there, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I, so I can't speak to that movie's overall quality. But from what I saw, I was like, yeah, um, I was just I wasn't sure if I liked the editing of it, and it was a much more modern sort of style where it, in a lot of modern cinema action movies you get action out of rapid cutting um Mm -hmm. of the film and you you cut to this shot for less than two seconds and then another another shot and then another shot you get reaction shots you get detail close-ups um that's a style that works for some things i'm not overly fond of it because um for for a variety of reasons one i think it's I don't want to say that it's easy to shoot as in like it's lazy, but it's so what's so impressive about saving private Ryan's action sequences, battle sequences is how long the camera rolls on stuff. Mm. You see these soldiers coming up the beach and fire going off explosions, but none of this stuff is real, but it sure looks real. And it's really helped by the fact that, this continues to go on for, you know, 10, 20 seconds at a time instead of like, oh, it's a five second shot. It's a, it's a three second shot where they just had to frame up the camera and get the, uh, the pyrotechnics to go right. And maybe they, they ran that take, you know, twice or something. Um, they, they had to have so much coordination in this movie of the actors, the camera, of all the special effects uh, and there's a lot of just very practical special effects, whether it's squibs, which is like the, uh, uh, I think that's what they call, like when somebody gets shot and there's like a blood spray mm-hmm. or or a gore yeah, spray. Yeah, I bet they did a lot of the effects, like as real as They're they real. could. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is why they hold up, I think, so well. There's there's a little bit of CG in this movie, but it's basically the only like spot. Spots- like the no. bullet? Um, I don't think so. I think the bullets in the D-Day scene are, are put in later. I think I read that. What bullets? I don't know. The bullets. <laughs> but they're shooting. Well, you don't see... 
maybe like the ch- yeah maybe some of them um some like the whizzing sounds or something i don't know well the sounds are sounds the, there's a lot of illusion there where um it like the bullet impacts i think would be little um pyrotechnic i don't know yeah right those the are there i, I saw yeah, a, a behind the scenes shot of um the end shot of, of tom hanks on the bridge mm-hmm. and those little things go off in the yeah on the shot absolutely yeah Almost all that stuff was was probably there and in the moment, and I That's was impressive. reading Tom Hanks. You know, had a he said it was it was pretty scary to actually, or maybe not scary, but but it was really impactful to shoot when he was getting out of that boat and the first, you know, several guys in front of him go down and there's you know this like blood spray and Fish stuff in the water. and, and, and Fish stuff. In a he knew it was special effects, but it felt very real, and mm-hmm. I think. By get it by staging all that stuff as realistically you know as you can, um, I think that really helps. It helps ground the film and it helps the actors and it helps kind of everybody. I would imagine if you're there, yeah, you're you're doing a job. You're on a film set, um, but it really helps your imagination right. get there as opposed to what if we shot this on a green screen and you know. Um, so I'm a big fan of of practical cinema. Would you say the effects hold up? I think they really hold oh, up. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So the only CG in the movie that I'm aware of uh, is there's like a wide shot later on of the beach and you've got all those ships out in the water. I think yeah, some yeah, of the yeah. ships are real and I think some of the ships in the more distance are fake. And then the the flak balloons, I think they are, uh, those are CG. Yeah. And then I believe the the P-51 fighters at the end um, the flyover, I believe those are also CG, but, um, as far as I'm aware, pretty much everything else is, is practical, good old fashioned effects. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I love that cause you, you wouldn't get that today. Um, no, I don't, you know, and I'm not somebody who's like, you needs to be practical for the sake of being practical. If you can do it with other methods and it's better and it works and it looks just as good, that's fine. Whatever. I don't think it looks just as good though in a lot of cases. And then it also dictates some in some ways like how you shoot and how you plan a film. What's really interesting is that they didn't do a storyboard for the D-Day sequence for the Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. They they staged it and Spielberg just kind of decided to let the action guide where he put the camera and and how he coordinated things. And that's wild. Only, Only somebody, Steven Spielberg could do that, well, I feel like. Well, a director with, with already, you know, uh, more than a decade of experience doing films of various sizes. I mean, well, I mean, his career had been going for, what, Long? almost 20 years at that, over 20 over, years at that point? Over, because Jaws was... It's like 79 yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, that's, that's really impressive that there's no, there was no storyboard for that. Mm-hmm. Cause that scene, uh, you know, that's the scene everybody talks about is the scene everybody remembers, but it's, it's, you know, it's absolutely fantastic. But I was, I was talking about these like long takes. And I think yeah. one of, one of the places that that's really interesting is also in the, in the final battle sequence. So you have that like hole in the wall of the building where they're shooting the machine gun out at the Germans who are advancing down the street. And the camera looks at them and then it follows um, back out the building and goes out into the street and follows some guys. And it's all one continuous shot. And 
all the while, all these effects are popping off all these, you know, you, so you just forget that it's not real Hmm. because that's, that's a really hard thing to fake. They did it. They did it extremely well. Um, also some of the choices that they make about uh, things you wouldn't necessarily normally do in a film. There's a lot of people talking over each other, which makes it seem more realistic and natural. And then also a lot of people who just walk in front of the camera, Hmm. which you would also not do normally. Um, you would not want to stage it that way, but there's like a lot of, you know, boots that go in front of the camera or just people who walk in front of the camera, um, things that make that. Yeah. But your brain did. Right. I have (laughs) noticed that they'll have, you know, one guy screaming into the radio at the same time. Another conversation is going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hadn't noticed that people walk in front of the camera. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that stuff does really help. It makes it feel less like a, a, a staged um, thing mm-hmm. and, and more incidental. Yeah. You don't per se um, forget that you're watching a movie, although maybe sometimes. As, as much as I love Tom Hanks, he's probably the reason you, you wouldn't ever be able to forget that you're watching a movie. <laughs> yes. It's a, very, it's a very distinct face. I don't know. So are the reasons that you really like this movie more from a filmmaking perspective or like you really appreciate the, the quality of all of it? Or is it more about the story for you? Mm. Uh, I mean, it's both. It's, it's a marriage of both. Uh, I wrote down three like basic categories of mm. why I liked this movie. Um, and we can, you know, get into them. We've already covered a lot of the filmmaking stuff. I, I have, there are more things there that I think are really interesting to note, but, um, the, the excellent filmmaking is definitely one of the pillars of like why I, I love this movie. Well, and it affects all the other things. So like, right. It like, it's, it, yeah, because it, ex- it is a movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so, so the way that the movie is made is really important. Well, but like the story is very straightforward and, and I really love the story. I think mm-hmm. that's why it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't be as good if it wasn't told as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. So whereas I'm not like, I don't know all the technical reasons why it's so good. Um, but I think that's a lot of people doing their job really well so that I don't notice their job yeah. necessarily. Yeah, totally. Uh, the other two reasons are uh, the theme. I think there's the, the overarching theme of sacrifice, um, which we'll get into. And uh, because I'm an American. <laughs> because I'm an American. That's funny. Uh, I, I think that's, a, I mean, I think that's a, 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 a not insignificant reason, honestly. Really? Oh, this yeah. One? Yeah. Because I was, I, I find this movie really interesting because I would, I don't even know if they ever say the word Nazi in the movie. I know they say SS, oh, yeah, they mm-hmm. but yeah, it's not a big thing of like, let's go kill the Germans. Let's go kill the Nazis. That's not the crux of the movie. Oh, that's not what makes it, you know, an American, you know, resonate for me as an American. Okay. Cause yeah, like that's, I don't need it to be about, it's like, yeah, we're killing Nazis. Well, I just, I find it interesting cause it's, <laughs> it's a world war two movie and, and some of them are very much like really focused on we're the good guys. We're going to kill the bad guys who yeah. are Nazis and they're bad. This isn't that at all, which is fascinating to me. And part of why I really like it. Um, Cause it's, it's set in world war two, but it seems to be more about war generally mm-hmm. than the yeah. specific conflict. So yeah. what's your, what's your American argument? 
I mean, uh, World War II, for right or wrong, is in America, it's the war that we can get behind. It's the war that we're more or less proud of, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not, you know, happy that it happened and millions of people died. And But... Uh, it felt more like we had a reason to fight this one. It, yeah, there's a, there was a, a clear uh, opponent who was not good for the world, let us be clear. And, you know, we were also weren't warmongers about it because, like, frankly, they, the U.S. didn't even us. get... Yeah, the yeah. U.S. didn't even get in the war until Pearl Harbor. Right. Uh, well, not properly, anyway. Not properly. And I, America likes to view it as this this moment when America got to be the hero for, for the world. Yeah. But, like, this, you know, kind of... Uh, reserved and and uh, humble hero you know just carrying everybody else's burdens like obviously the real history of it is more complicated than that and obviously like everything it was not clean there were some problems there were some real uh issues you could take with america's involvement in the war and specific actions but um the over i think it's disingenuous to argue that America's involvement was not an overall good thing and that the fighting the war, defeating the Axis needed to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't think no matter what your position is, no matter how anti-war you are, I'm sure some people would say that, but I don't. The reasonable thing to say. (laughs) No, no reasonable person would say that we shouldn't have fought World War II on any level. Um, against the opponents that were there. So there is an aspect of it that this is the the war that we kind of celebrate. Um, but that does not necessarily a pro-war statement. And I think it's a terrible, intellectually cowardly thing to say that to pay homage to people who fought and died is necessarily a pro-war statement. Like there are people out there who think that and that's just ridiculous garbage um i like movies like this because i you know i wasn't there i i've read a lot of the history i've seen a lot of uh of you know documentaries and uh all that but uh i think there's an emotional truth to it that even if they don't get all of the historical elements correct and even if the the general story is made up there's an emotional truth to the film that is you know, important and significant and it's impactful for an audience who, who doesn't have that experience. Like we're increasingly losing that generation. There are fewer and fewer world war two veterans around that. That makes it even more important that we, we kind of remember what, what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, on the other hand, I don't think it's a, a raw, raw America movie per se. Uh, I think it's very feel good about America, but also it's feel good about the American people. Um, it is not necessarily sure. pro the American government. In fact, there's there's a, a large element of the movie that I would argue is is making the argument that the American government is doing a foolish thing by sacrificing all of these guys to save one guy right? Um, just because of sentimentalist, you know, it's literally called a PR mission, what they're doing. And, you know, you have that scene where this glider crashed because they put a general's Jeep in it and it was 
you know, too heavy and it killed everybody else. Yeah. Uh, ridiculous, you know, all that for one person. And so there, I think, I don't think it's a, it's also not a, a, a story that's told really from the perspective of the higher ups. This is about the grunts on the ground it mm-hmm. is about the average people who didn't, you know, wouldn't have probably joined the army except that they, they felt a duty to do so. Um, or I'm sure some of them were, were draftees, but I think it's celebratory of that ideal, whether it's true or not, or how much of it is true of the greatest generation. They just did what they had to do. Um, and were really humble about it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's something that we look around today and we see, um, we see what the ideal is today and it's so far from that Yeah. in terms of humility, in terms of kind of quietly minding your own business and, you know, doing your own thing. Well, yeah, I mean, not many of those guys wrote books. Yeah. How many, and like, I know that, like the SEAL community is really divided because a lot of them are like, Hey, like we don't do that. But then a lot of them do. Yeah. And there's this like, way stupid public debate on like which guy actually shot bin laden because they're quarreling about it it was me no it was me that's silly well i don't even mean in in context of the military but yeah you're right because because now some of that military operations happen and there's some more glory there's a lot of cashing in like right away to not like oh i'm gonna write about this in 10 15 years no it's like publishers are hounding them for deals right away yeah. and it's just an exhausting era that we live in yeah. i'm not going to vilify anybody for that per se unless no. they're like I mean, actually I've, i bought the books so <laughs> like i'm here for it yeah but it's very different i'm talking very more different. though and i think uh, a general kind of way of the ideal i think today is in culture kids want to be um sports stars or or pop or rap artists, or I sound like a million years old saying that, or, or like YouTube influencers, you know, like content creators, content creators. Well, I want to be a, we're content creators. We Maggie. Content I, have, creators. I have news Bad for you. News. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like it, it does seem different now of who wants to join the army and why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's that's my American argument. Just like uh, Spielberg has a couple of movies that are make me that are kind of I think this um, big tint. We can all get behind this ideal of what America is supposed to be, while still acknowledging that it is imperfect and there are definitely problems. Um, this movie is one of those. Lincoln is definitely that way. Bridge of Spies is also very much that way, and. Uh, you get this picture of even though like Steven Spielberg's probably a guy I don't agree with his politics necessarily on a lot of things, uh, but I like his portrayal of what America is supposed to be in broad strokes, and I think it's something that a lot of people can get behind. Yeah, um, and that's that's nice because it is not at all cool to be uh, patriotic or to. Uh, believe in your country in any sort of way and like yeah i get it it's a lot of things to be skeptical about a lot of feet need to be held to the fire about a lot of things in in terms of our government but um i think it's 
to our own folly that we we throw the baby out with the bathwater and forget that there are ideals and principles and uh, things that are special about not only this country, but it, democracies and representative governments in general, countries that have uh, the various freedoms that we do. That's that's a really significant and important thing. Like this doesn't engage with those ideas directly, but it it's, it represents them. This this movie literally begins and ends with an American flag blowing in the wind. Yeah, um, and that's not for nothing. Yeah, I honestly have never quite understood that, um, but like it's just gone over my head a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's clearly deliberate. So. I think it's a it's a homage to classical uh, this classical idea of America. Um, you know the the look of the movie is this like very sort of faded film stock. Um, it's it uh, Spielberg wanted it to look like a movie or a, a film reel that might have come out around that time. Although of course it's in color, but right, um, it looks was- greener than I remember it. <laughs> I remembered it being really washed out. Um, but I think maybe now some movies have gone so far with it, or maybe now our war movies are just set in the desert. And so <laughs> I'm used to them being yellower. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was like, oh, like I thought I remembered this movie being very brown, but Look it was. France, it's lush. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was a lot greener than I remembered, even though I know they did strip a lot of color out of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially out of the sky, I think. Mm hmm. So what about you? Why, why do you like this movie? I feel like I'm dominating the conversation and I really don't want to. Um, yeah, I, I said a little bit before, I think it really is about the story for me. I really, I, I find a lot of it interesting of the, just the choices that they made of where it, it isn't a let's go kill the bad guy movie. The, um, yeah. Like, I don't even know if necessarily the villain is the Germans. Um, it seems like more it's their situation. I think the villain is war. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, they're all, they're griping about the orders and and who does Cap gripe to? And he gripes to his superior and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I really like that. I really like the questions it asks about duty and about war and is it... Uh, worth it um and then yeah of sacrifice and that of the eight that go out there two of them survive um Mm -hmm. six guys if you just count the company whose job it was to find brian um six of them die getting him out and um then you know they're all in in that scene where they're walking in just because of his mom. Well, I've got a mom and you've got a mom and <laughs> it's, it's really interesting and it's thought provoking and it's good. And, um, I like that it doesn't really clean that up very neatly for you where, you know, he, it doesn't answer those questions. Definitively. Yeah, not really where it's, you know, um, Miller tells him he, he should earn this and that's, those are, those are his last words. Um, which is such a horrible thing. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, but, um, but, but yeah. And then, and him there at the end, um, you know, saying, I, I did my best. I just, I, I think it's a great ending. Yeah. I think it's a great story. I think they're good characters. They're believable characters. Um, I'm just, I'm just kind of here for it. 
I like the genre too. Like I just, I like the genre, which is a weird thing about me, but that you, yeah. yeah. Did you like war movies? Yeah. I'm like, so not the target market for it. What, what are some other, uh, of your favorite war movies? Would you say? Um, I really like Black Hawk Down. Yeah. I like that a lot. We recently watched that mm-hmm. and it kind of, you didn't care for it. Yeah, okay. it didn't, it didn't work for me. Yeah. So I'll tell you one thing that I, I thought about Black Hawk Down while I was watching this movie. Yeah. And granted, I've seen Saving Private Ryan, you know, probably 10 times. Mm. Uh, that many, really? Yeah, probably. Hmm. Yeah. Did your dad like this Maybe movie? Maybe not. Is this a movie you watched with your dad? Or? Um, I, I showed it to him once. Oh, okay. He didn't show it to you? No. Huh. No. This seems like such a dad, like coming of age <laughs> thing. <laughs> I think it is for a lot of people, but yeah. I don't know. I don't think my dad saw this when it came out. And, you know, when it came out, I was certainly way too young for it. Right. I remember when, when my dad showed it to my brother and it was this, yeah, it was like, you're old enough now, son. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, no, I know. I have friends where this was their first rated R movie mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was probably mine. Yeah. I know. A- well, cause it, it definitely was in part cause we watched the first the d-day scene at 30 minutes in school and, uh, and my parents had to sign a waiver or whatever what, what age were you uh i think i was a freshman i think i was 14 oh, okay um okay. yeah because that yeah i was a freshman um that was my modern american history class yeah um yeah so i was 14 and we watched that scene that 30 minutes um and i don't know i, I have a strong stomach too so where um yeah. the the later battle um and specifically that scene in the house with the hand-to-hand combat is way worse to me than the d-day scenes i think that's a lot of i've heard a lot of people say that that's interesting um but um but yeah i I think it's because it's slow it's so personal is my thing it's It's so personal it's it's Um, fairly impersonal to get shot by a machine gun from 200 yards away right the guy literally is is like nose to nose with that guy yeah and it's i don't i don't gross. know what he's whispering because i don't speak german but he's he's kind of like well he shushes him yeah it's, it does it makes me nauseous yeah it's 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 gross yeah it's a very it's sickening really scene. gross yeah um but yeah I'm, I'm generally not bothered by war violence um sometimes if it's gratuitous like i watched hacksaw ridge and i'm like yeah that's gratuitous <laughs> um yeah i remember you, i didn't see hacksaw ridge but i remember you saying that and that that's kind of disappointing because i think you can push this stuff too far I think this movie is a really like it's it's intense and it's nasty, um, but I feel like it's a it's it's done in a respectful way. It's done. It's done to make a point. It is not done to just like to like let the let the gore wash over you. It is. This is. Let's there's a difference between not pulling punches and being honest about what happens in warfare and there's and then there's this um just overwrought like sick entertainment thing about it um it's almost like mel gibson has a track record of mm. of making gory movies that are maybe a little bit too just, creepily I mean, fascinated I by that stuff i didn't think it was a great movie besides that anyway yeah but anyway you asked what more movies are like so that's sadly not on the yeah. list i like andrew garfield um <laughs> <laughs> and I think in another, if it, in another world, I would have liked that movie. I think it's an interesting story. Um, yeah, I wasn't here for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you said Black Hawk Down. Yeah. I like Black Hawk Down. Um, I do like Lone Survivor, which we were watching. I don't, I like that battle scene is great. I don't think anything else around it is very good. It's a little too Hollywood. 
Um, but it's pretty good. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I think I think having Marky Mark in in that movie is a little distracting. Oh, I don't think he's the problem. I actually think he's pretty good. On oh, the I'm not saying he's not good. I'm I'm saying uh, I just it's a distraction. I, yeah. yeah, in a way that Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is such an everyman mm-hmm. that. I always, I always start out thinking about it being Tom Hanks, and then usually by the end of the movie, I'm just thinking about him as the character, mm-hmm. which is really impressive. Yeah. Um, I was going to say about Black Hawk Down is one of the things in that movie, I couldn't keep track of like anybody. And granted, I've mm-hmm. seen Saving Private Ryan a bunch. Right. So I know who all the characters are, but they do a really good job of, one, they, they cast actors with distinct faces which sometimes they really don't do. Yeah. Uh, or they don't do that in Black now, Hawk now, Down. In Black Hawk Down, also in their defense, they're wearing a different, uh, they're wearing different clothing, different, uh, not armor, well, the, but the whatever kicker, they, they wear in that period of time when that's set, I think is a, it hides your face a little bit more than, than the World War II stuff. Right. Uh, the kicker in Black Hawk Down is that most of it is at night. So you yeah. really don't know. But even even so, like, I could see their faces and I was just like, these all look like the same white dude. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. It, it, it was it was just, oh, and I know one of them's Tom Hardy, but I couldn't <laughs> even tell. And I know who Tom, I know Tom Hardy. I love Tom Hardy, but I couldn't tell. And then yeah. you're like, oh, this one's Orlando Bloom. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but you can. They do such a good job of distinguishing the squad members in, in Saving Private Ryan and giving them uh, different things to do. You And you get a really good sense of them even just by a, a little bit of dialogue. Yeah. Uh, but it's not kind of overdone. I think a lot of other movies aspire to do that same sort of thing and, and they just don't do it quite as deftly. Yeah. Um, I think I generally prefer um, war movies that are about a, a particular unit or small group of people uh-huh. because of that. Yes. Um, I really like Fury, uh, with, which I is the like tanker one. Yeah, yeah, you haven't seen it. I like that Just one a lot. Just because tanks are an interesting subject matter that you don't get a lot. Mm-hmm. That is one that about is the Battle of the Bulge? Icky. No. Really? Um, okay. That was a big tank battle. So No, no. Um, it's more about like this one tanker unit and their various... Oh, escapades. so it follows them through, yeah. like, the war. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's, like, yeah, there's Did you a group say of... it's icky? There is one shot that's very icky. Okay. <laughs> but, frankly, if it's one of these movies and it doesn't have one of those shots, it's a little weird. Uh-huh. I haven't seen a lot of the classic ones, like The Longest Day and Apocalypse I... Now and all that stuff. I haven't seen... Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of the Vietnam stuff. Um, I have seen The Longest Day. I saw that when I kind of, I guess when I was a kid, I think I saw that growing up definitely before Saving Private Ryan, because hmm. it's a much tamer movie, of course, uh, being from the, I want to say it was the, the mid or late fifties or early sixties. Uh, and I think at the time it was really well liked. I don't ever hear anybody talk about it now. Hmm. And, uh, I, I do I do remember it being sort of goofy in parts. I think it was a it was a movie that took itself really seriously, but uh I I you know it's hard to not feel like this the uh, Saving Private Ryan just superseded it. At least when it comes to like The Longest Day covers a greater breadth of Operation Overlord. Mm-hmm. So the paratroopers and the other beaches that weren't Omaha Beach cuz Omaha Beach was real bad. And like most of the other ones weren't that bad. Well, they didn't either. They didn't face quite as much resistance or their plans went 
more according to uh, <laughs> they yeah, worked they, a little they, better. Yeah, the plans yeah. worked out a little better. Like almost nothing went according to plan at o- Omaha Beach, and and it was real, real rough. Like you know, they you hear them talking about that in the scene. Like they need to get some armor mm-hmm. on the beach, but I think there were the rough well, rough seas or mines or something. I can't remember the historical details, but uh, well, I thought there were just more more resistance than they anticipated. Uh, and then nobody was where they were supposed to be. Like I knew nobody they was couldn't. where that was. That was with regards to the paratroopers. You, I thought even on the beach they had people who because it was such a mess getting up the beach. Oh, I that mean, nobody then was where they were supposed to be. Yeah, but that also because whole units, you know, were were getting taken out. Yeah, it's just the chaos of of the whole situation. So you, yeah, you like the story, which you know the that's how I came to this movie. That the, the okay, the first. My first real exposure to this movie actually was uh, as a sermon illustration. That's hilarious. <laughs> I know it is. Uh, it is like basically the entire plot of the movie was a sermon illustration. Uh, and that's how I heard the plot of the movie. What's uh, it like sacrifice is good? No. Uh, so the, I believe the sermon illustration was something like uh, it was basically saying like Jesus doesn't turn to us and say, earn this. Oh, um, and <laughs> and uh Private Ryan, you know, is basically guilt-tripped massively at the end of that movie. It's just, That would just be an awful thing to go through life with. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and you really feel that at the end. Uh, that that part, yeah, that part really makes me cry where, yeah, he asks his wife, like, mm-hmm. have I lived a good life? Yeah. Because um, that's like, yeah, that's that's awful. <laughs> well, it's uh, I, I really appreciate the way that character's written and how, I, I think Matt Damon does a great job. And that when he, when they're, the unit first gets there and they're all bitter, um, because he's not coming with them. Um, like, Hey, you know, we are already lost two guys out here and he wants to know their names. Um, and he asks again, like to repeat them. So he knows and just, he's, he's really honorable and he's already thinking that way of like, okay, I have people have died for me specifically. Yeah. How do I carry that? You just get this great cross section of these different personalities and they're all, you know, they're all soldiers, you know, cause you have the, fir- the fake private Ryan mm-hmm. who, who they find, who is just like a, a, an immense crybaby, and, and is like, Oh, I can't, oh, no, no, no. Yep. Which, which is a, a fun cameo, not a cameo, but it was, it's Nathan Fillion of uh firefly and castle fame. Uh, there's other, there are quite a few just bit parts in this movie that are filled by, uh, later famous people more much more famous people like paul giamatti's in this well vin diesel wasn't anybody when this was shot yeah he certainly wasn't whoever he is in those fast and furious movies <laughs> <laughs> right um but i mean was, he i think he was more known than some of the others some of the others at, but he wasn't huge um, um i read last night this really funny that for for private ryan steven spielberg wanted somebody relatively unknown and then in between shooting and it coming out, Goodwill Hunting came out, and all of a sudden Matt Damon's an Oscar winner. Yeah. And um, yeah. whoops. Oops. <laughs> but I think it works. I think it works just fine. And Brian Cranston's in there as well. That's funny, yeah. It which is real weird. Mm-hmm. He looks so young. <laughs> Fresh off of doing Seinfeld's dentist. Yeah. He was probably on um, Malcolm in the Middle at that time. Mm, no, no, I don't think quite yet. I thought I thought that was like an early aughts show. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, I think that the performances are really good. Um, there aren't, you definitely don't get to know all eight of them, but there are definitely a few standouts. Um, I think the, I have, I've had quite a journey with the, um, what's his name? Corporal Upham. Or with Upham. Yeah. The first time I watched it, I just, I was so mad at him. I was so angry. I just, I just couldn't believe him. This is like, the, this is the soldier who is, uh, the timid, coward. The, the cat. Yes. In, um, does not deliver the ammo in time. Um, well, and just stands there on the stairs. He's just, yeah it's still i still am really frustrated with him but yeah the first time i saw it was when i was in high school and then this is either my third or fourth time seeing it and and i i now i think i more feel sorry for him and i think it's a really interesting choice to have that kind of character in there because i don't think i've seen another war movie with with that kind of character Oh, I, I think I think there have been. I, I can't remember what they are off the top of my head, but yes, it's it's an interesting choice to have him mm-hmm. do that. The, I have a couple like really minor gripes. Sure, having seen this movie so many times, and one of them is like, uh, um, of course the the German soldier that they let go ends up being in the final battle, uh, and is the one who very slowly stabs. Um, stabs the mm-hmm. the guy in the heart uh and then he just passes up him on the stairs and the way out like oh you're nothing you're no threat i can tell you that you're just terrified yeah. you're not a man yeah um and and then he shoots him at the end yeah. um but you know they they call that guy steamboat willie <laughs> uh that that nazi and he he also shoots he shoots Cap. Yes, he's yeah. the one who shoots Tom Hanks, and I'm like, I uh, I didn't need it. I didn't need him to be the one who shot Tom Hanks. You know, like it's I didn't need him to be the supervillain of this movie. Yeah, he, <laughs> they do really keep it on him. But but it's a thing that I didn't notice the first couple times because yeah. there are just so many faces and so many extras in it, and I didn't well, I didn't just, notice that. He just kind of looks like standard <laughs> German. <laughs> yeah. You know? it's, it's true um but as you there's a lot of little details to pick up on mm-hmm. uh as as you watch it on repeat viewing so i was like eh, maybe maybe don't have it be so determinate who shoots miller you know because it's not it, i think it's a little bit too quick of a transition for because it very much seems like upham has made his choice in the battle to just to sit it out once it gets too scary and it it is a little bit it it felt a little off on this watching to me that okay the air force is here and now i'm ready to pull out my gun and be a soldier um yeah that that feels a little like they were trying to resolve that storyline when i don't know that in reality it would have been like that right i think he made his choice well, no, I, I can see him him turning like that, but I I just th- think that feels a little too abrupt. Like, oh, they're totally defeated, they're they're done for. There's only a few American soldiers left, even, and then the Air Force flies over, bombs the tank, sure. uh, which is a great moment. Mm-hmm. It's just it's one of my favorite just little moments from the movie of of Tom Hanks' complete desperation, shooting his pistol at the tank as it you know invariably rolls over him and 
then it just blows up and mm-hmm. it's it's a great moment especially the first time you watch it and you're like what mm-hmm. what happened oh that's a that's amazing uh well, it's a it's it's a very uplifting moment it is not a very realistic moment because no. just because the uh, the air force shows up right then does not also mean that the ground forces in reinforcing them would also show up right at the same time sure. especially with the coordination of that point in mm-hmm. in that war but it's a very minor gripe yeah so the the first time you watched it do you remember if you thought the tom hanks character was was the old man from the beginning because they very much i think set you up to believe oh, that they absolutely do with the eye shot mm-hmm. yes they absolutely believe, lead you to believe he's going back to his memories of mm-hmm. d-day yeah yes um so i think that's a really interesting twist too because i remember when it was like oh wait he's dying he's not mm-hmm. then who's that guy and oh yeah. i i really it think is. that's really effective it is when it's, you first watch that's it really great and if it, it did bother me for a little bit that like okay but why is he then remembering d-day if he wasn't there um and the answer is he's thinking about miller mm-hmm. um but like you know he doesn't spend that much time with miller like he could have researched later it's it's an it's another minor thing i think i think that framing device in the uh the cemetery is yeah is really nice um it's i think i i i kind of feel like it was meant to connect it to a modern audience when it came out in 98 mm. um and now of course that's it's been 20 years uh, even the first time i saw this movie i was already like wow those people have really outdated clothes yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I still, yeah, I, I like that that gives a, an additional kind of layer to the movie th- than if it had just been in 1944 right. entirely, you know, it, it gives another layer of suggestion about w- what does war mean to people and what are the lasting effects of it. Um, and then also that, that kind of loneliness of going home to, people who did not have your experience and as much as you might tell them war stories they'll never understand yeah what that was like well and miller has that speech of where he's like i don't know how i'm ever gonna tell my wife about days like today yeah and of course he doesn't get that opportunity but it is of like oh man yeah this is a bad 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 day yeah i i love all the talking scenes as much as the action scenes the church scenes are great yeah Um, let's talk about favorite scenes um, I mean, look, obviously we've covered, uh, the, the opening scene mm-hmm. pretty, pretty much. Um, uh, yeah, I, I won't go back yeah. to that unless you had anything to no, say, I mean, I'm but not that's as enchanted by that scene as I think a lot of like movie people are like when you look up this movie, it is, it's a, most of what people talk about that doesn't, it's the thing people remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that part feels very separate to me from the rest of the movie. It is. And so where I'm like, I can, that is one that I'm like, this is very impressive. I can see what, what good quality this is. I can see the effort to make this realistic. Um, and I commend all of that, but it doesn't, it's not like my thing. Well, in many ways, I, I think what it is functionally for the movie is it's the introduction of the villain. <laughs> yeah. It is the introduction of the the intimate horrors of war. Yeah. Um, and especially if you think about the it. The trauma, too. The trauma of it. Yeah. You, you have those shell-shocked moments. Um, especially if you think of it in context of what were war movies before 
this movie. And I'm not saying this was like, this changed everything, but it's, it's obviously very influential on a general, you know, it's not like there weren't movies before this talking about the horrors of war and showing them and stuff. There's some, especially, uh, especially European, Mm -hmm. uh, cinema that deals with, um, some of the other horrors of world war two, not even the Holocaust, but like some of the other genocide that was going on, uh, in like Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are the, a lot of rough books. I've read some books that are older than this yeah. movie. Um, that uh, but in terms of no punches. Yeah. But in terms of like popular, uh, American war cinema, this, this really changed the game. Uh, and I think that that scene, like I said, it introduces the villain, which is the, the horrors of war, the inescapable effects, both physically and psychologically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think that it's an important scene for that, but even if it was just this, Hey, we're going to include this very famous battle from world war, world war two, even though it doesn't quite fit into our story. Otherwise, um, I, I don't know how you would enter the movie otherwise that, cause it gives it so much weight right off the right. bat. Um, and you know, even though it's, it's almost a cliche at this point, like that's what people talk about in this movie. That's what gets remembered. It's, Oh, everybody. Yeah. Everybody knows it's a really good scene. I mean, it really genuinely is like when we were watching it, I was thinking at the start, like I've seen this so many times. I think it's lost the effect for me. I think, I think it's kind of just, Hmm. I know it so well that I know all the stuff that happens. I know the sounds, I know the cuts, I know the, the dialogue. Uh, and I just think it's probably gonna, I've probably become too clinical about looking at it now. And it's probably sadly just one of those things that I'll have to wait a long, long time and forget a lot of stuff. And then maybe it'll recover some of its effect. But that's not true. Uh, about you know five minutes in, it took a, it took a little bit of time, but I was I was in there and I was tearing up and and it's just it's uh, such a an effective affecting thing, mm-hmm. um, and it's done that way, uh, you know, through the the cinematic language that's that's employed there and just some really really amazing um, attention to detail to making that you know. To, could talk about the sound design as well for for just as long as I could talk about probably how they shot it because uh, I had a sound for film and video class in college and mm. we watched that scene. Yeah. Um, it, it, I'm sure if somebody broke down for me how hard that would be, I'd, my mind would be blown. I think it is one of those things where I don't I don't know how hard I. I uh, it's less about how hard it is and more about that they made these particular choices hmm. and and how that affects you on a psychological level. So for one for one thing, um, we haven't mentioned at all the beautiful score from John Williams. Um, it is good. It it is good. It doesn't sound very John Williamsy, and Mm-mm. I think that's why it's good. Well, it's not it's not very present all the time. It's yes. So that's the thing is a lot of battle scenes would have had music and, and, and more, um, like swelling. Yeah. He's getting up. All things like that. Exactly. That they don't do. And there's no music in any of the, the action scenes, the, in the battle scenes in this movie, mm-hmm. it's the, the sound effects are the music, um, are the soundtrack. And that was a great choice. It could, because 
it it's really really it pulls you in without the need for the music to be there telling you how to feel right um and then the music comes in subtly at other points um and it's really understated and nice when it does um like i am a really big fan of the kind of minimalist quality of the score in this movie Mm -hmm. um but yeah there there are uh, not just the authenticity of the sounds uh, uh, the soundscape but also things like the way that they do the sound when he's shell-shocked um uh, um and the the stuff underwater i've always loved that when they go underwater Mm -hmm. and you hear that the Mm-hmm. The underwater bullet hits and stuff is just phenomenal. It It's so realistic and puts you in there. Um, but I love it in other parts as well. Like we'll get to this scene, but like the church scene, yeah. there's this thunder in the background. Yeah. And it's not. It's, it's, of, it's, are... it's of course like artillery mm-hmm. fire off in the distance. Um, and it's just, it's an incredible soundtrack that, that grounds you in in this inescapable war. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of your, your favorite scenes? I really like the scene, um, when the one guy is wanting to desert, um, and like things really are about to boil over. So the, um, the scene with the machine gun nest of the radar hill. Yeah. 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 Well, but after it, um, yeah. after the, after Wade dies, um, and it's all just like falling apart. Yeah. And then, uh, Cap, that's when Cap decides to tell him I was a teacher, um, right. and his leadership in that moment and, and how it all resolves. Um, I think that's a really well done scene. Uh, you really feel that tension of he's, I'm over it. I'm done. I'm finished. And you know, the, the second in command is screaming at him that he's out of line and he doesn't care and Gonna shoot him for deserting. Yeah. Other, everybody's got their guns out. It's, it's, it's very tense. Um, and it is like, I, I think even this time, cause I had, for, I was like, how did they get out of this? I don't, I don't remember oh, how remember? this resolves. No. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, that's, that's really good. Um, it works really well. And it's, it's a great moment for, um, for a lot of the characters, but especially for the Miller character. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really all in on this character now. I think it's a really funny, interesting, good choice. He's just, he's a teacher yeah. um, from Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, used to coach baseball and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I like that. He says, you know, uh, I would tell people back home that I was a teacher and they'd say that figures, but over here it's a big mystery. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of eerie mm-hmm. about how much that it changed him yeah. and how much he had to just sort of step into the role that he had and you know be kind of a harder person mm-hmm. than, than he maybe was at home yeah the movie is not overwritten you get a lot from the exchanges that they have mm-hmm. uh, but they also feel like they could be broadly applicable to many different people's situations in war i think that's what kind of works about it is that it feels broadly representative of a lot of people who so even though it's not about specific historical figures specific soldiers the way that like band of brothers is Mm -hmm. um you you get again that emotional truth of what this was like for a lot of people yep and and the questions that ran through their heads yeah um i also i really like the scene when because they they find ryan in the field with the tank um 
but then they go back and then he tells them, he tells him, um, and I, I really like that scene of him processing it and, um, okay, my brothers are dead, but yeah. and then his, his kind of slow, but also fast decision of, no, I'm not going. You can tell my mom that I died with the only brothers I have left. It's a great scene. Yeah. Um, it's a good, it's a great moment. And just, and really endears you to him where you're you're kind of, you've been with the other guys. You're like, yeah, this Ryan better be worth it. Yeah. And, um, not that he, not that you can definitively make the say of he's worth it, but it's, it's a very respectable, commendable, honorable thing to do. And where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm on this, this team of, okay, I guess we're going to babysit the bridge. And, uh, I like that. I tend to like the buildup scenes. I'm like, okay, here we all are. Here's what we're going to do. Well, I think the question that kind of goes in and out of the movie is, is it worth it for all these guys to go traipsing around after this one guy? And the answer is like, no, not really. And right. certainly not strategically. Is it, you know, emotionally from a PR standpoint, you can make different arguments. Um, for them, they, they don't feel like, no, this is, this is not worth it. We're losing yeah, our brothers yeah. for this guy's brother mm-hmm. or because of this guy's brothers. Um, and that's why, why do you think Miller just orders them to take the hill with the machine gun on, on it? I don't know. Oh, you don't? I I do kind of find that I think decision it's really clear. Puzzling. Actually. Well, I mean, he says like this, the end weird, we're, you know, we're trying to win the war and we don't want the next guys to get killed. Yeah. Um, I think it's really clear. Do you, do you think that's the answer? No. What? Uh, well, yes and no. Um, so one of my favorite scenes is the church. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just sitting around the church at night towards the middle of the movie uh, and having various conversations. That, um, But uh, Miller and, uh, and Sergeant Horvath, his second in command, who you can tell they really do have that camaraderie of like mm-hmm. they've been together for a while in this. Uh, and that's great. I love their relationship. And they're they're talking, and he's talking about justifying losing losing men under his command. And oh said, yeah, like, the, I, the, I've lost ninety seven under under my command, and you tell yourself that they died so that one or two or ten others would live. Um, and you, you have that's you have that's how you justify it to yourself. That's how you do the job. Um, I think that's what I think he can't tell himself that with the with the Ryan mission right. because they're explicitly going after one guy. So if they take out this machine gun nest that other people could run into and get killed, they've saved other people. They've done that objective and that that calculus works better for him than if they they were just strictly going after you know this mm-hmm. one aspect of their mission. Uh I think that's why he does it. Because it's also after um, uh, that that idea of the unfair trade is reinforced after the church scene and before the machine gun nest scene when they find the the crashed glider and they talk to the paratroopers, you know, and they're going through all the dog tags and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, those moments really kind of build to that. And you, I, I, I've always gotten that sense of, like, I think that's why he does it. Mm. Um and is clearly his his men are baffled about why he's doing it. Right, yeah, that's the most pushback they yeah. they give him ever. But that's yeah, that's why I, I think it happens. Any other favorite scenes? 
or moments? Uh, yeah, the, the dog tag scene is another standout one. Um, and that's that's maybe one of the most jarring scenes that isn't violent. Um, yeah. When they're just this, this massive bag of dog tags and, and you know that each one of those is a person that died and, and everybody's watching. That's that's a really good, good, poignant scene. Yeah. That's not violent at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that they, you know, they're joking around with it. They're, they're trying to find levity in it. And it's just, that totally rings as something that they would do and just not understand. Right. They've lost perspective. They've lost perspective, but also it's like, it's how much you are attached to your guys Mm -hmm. and not, not just all soldiers on my, you know, team. It is your guys. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you see that, you know, Bond, because, of course, Upham, who is new to the, t- to the team, is not very well accepted uh-huh. in the team. Um, until, I think, sort of the end when, you know, finally Mellish tells him what FUBAR means. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, like, trying to help him. Uh, that scene is so sad, though, because he's trying to tell him, like, hey, you, you better be Johnny on the spot with that ammo or we're dead. And that's exactly what happens. Uh-huh. It's exactly what happens. Yeah. That's, yeah. Any closing thoughts? I, I could s- talk about the filmmaking stuff and, you know, even more, but I, I, I don't necessarily need to. <laughs> I know. Didn't they do something with the um, shutter speed? Yeah. So uh, I love the look of the film. Uh, and I was, that's another thing I was thinking about when, when we were watching a little bit of Lone Survivor earlier. And like that movie just looks like generic as all get out in terms of just the look of the movie, it, which is fine, but not. Um, and I love, I love the look of this movie. I also love the, really love the look of, we mentioned it earlier. I love the look of Dunkirk. I mm-hmm. think it's very much inspired by the look of this movie. It's not as extreme in the, uh, in the vintage sort of look, but it, it's uh, definitely, I think, inspired by it in terms of its color palette and stuff. That uh, this movie is absolutely gorgeous. Not in a technical sense. In a technical sense, it's very like messy. Hmm. Um, because uh, they, one of the things they did is they stripped off uh, this protective coating that are, is on lenses, on modern lenses. And without that, you get like just light kind of bouncing around in the lens. So there there are some scenes where you can see these like vertical sort of light streaks, Hmm. um, depending on how the light's hitting things, uh, especially in the shell shocked sequences. Um, they also do, uh, like a sort of a frame cutting slow-mo in those, not slow-mo, but, um, they do, they do a very specific effect in the shell shocked sequences which I'm, very I'm okay with it. I like it. Um, but throughout most of the battle sequences, they, yes, you're right. They, they do something with the shutter speed, which normally the shutter angle of cinema cameras is set to 180 degrees. That means something to people who work with the cameras, but, um, they changed that. So essentially what it does is it, it lessens the motion blur and it makes, um, it makes every frame look more like a, a picture instead of a transitionary picture, mm. if you will. Um, so normally we're used to the, the way that, that film looks 24 frames a second at 180 degrees shutter angle. And it produces this kind of motion blur that we're used to. Um, 
And they shot that in such a way that it looked kind of more like an action cam footage. So if you're familiar with like how GoPro footage looks, that's mm-hmm. got a a, uh, a shutter speed that is more akin to what they were doing. So the 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 motion looks very sort of staccato. Yeah. And, and if you pause the frames of it, there's motion blur, but there's a lot less than you would normally see. Um, and that that makes the movie look less kind of it, it kind of lessens the cinematic quality of it in fact which makes it look more like uh, uh more like reality and i was noticing that when we were watching it i was like some of these the, the motion in this uh it doesn't look like motion smoothing that awful thing that's on a lot of tvs now it looks different but it look you can tell it looks yeah. different yeah in the battle scenes especially like when they're there are even some i think just when they're walking i'm like oh that looks a little weird uh, I think it's in really mostly scenes. in the battle scenes. Yes. No, yeah, but walking yeah. in the battle scenes. So yeah. in your, your, your in-between scenes, the talking scenes and stuff, it's normal, I right. think. Um, but they definitely do that in those. And then there's like a, a, a technique uh, called bleach bypass, which is, you know, this was shot in 1998. It was on film. Like <laughs> before this was before digital versus film was a real consideration for these kind of movies. Uh, and you can really tell... Uh, it's just got this beautiful grain to it and the beautiful color palette and sort of desaturated look. I'm not a huge fan of like a really desaturated look a lot of times. I think it it can make, I mean, obviously it's in, in terms of color range, it's making things less vibrant. But I think I, it's worse than Band of Brothers. Like Band of Brothers seems a lot more stripped than this one does band of brothers i mean it, even though they're they're very much like sister things they were making a, a whole series mm-hmm. you know so i think they i don't know i don't remember it's been i've definitely seen some where i'm like yeah yeah you stripped all the color <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah i i think in pretty much all ways this this movie still holds up it's very good very good you didn't need us to tell you that saving private ryan is still very good but we're telling you anyway, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, a lot more technical stuff about movies and you really like it. And I just like, I like the genre. Um, so I think it's, it's, it lands on both of our, you know, at least top 10 maybe, or I don't know. It's, it's definitely like on the top list for both of us. Um, so I think it's interesting that it's a little bit different perspectives, but I think it shows that maybe no matter how you end up watching the movie. I think it has, it resonates for a lot of different people and for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. In both form and function, I Mm -hmm. think it is, it is really good um, and really worthwhile. 